Welcome. You're listening to The Sacristy, a podcast where we seek to learn, discuss, and exalt in the faith delivered once for all to the saints as it has been passed down in the Anglican tradition. I'm Father David Bumstead, the rector of Emmanuel Episcopal Church in the Audubon Park neighborhood of Orlando, Florida. And I'm joined by my reasonable co-host, Father Matthew Ainsley, the Vicar of All Souls Episcopal Church in Horizon West, Florida. We're real priests with real jobs in real churches. Service times in our bio, we'd love for you to join us for worship if you're ever in town with us. Good afternoon, Father Matt. Hey there. Well, we're here uh, just after recording, actually recorded, what, Thursday, our last full episode, which was really fun and a really good time with you. Uh, and people seem to be enjoying it. And you can still listen to it. Yes. We'll be doing some, uh, what do we do it about? Oh yeah, heresy, <laughs> our favorite heresies. Yeah. It does seem like a long time since then. It does, but the collect is still relevant. Mm-hmm. For those of you who pray at the office, you know that you pray the collect of the day that you hear on Sunday throughout the week until the next Sunday. Indeed. And uh, today we've got uh, what we call a little lesser feast, so we're going to do a little bit of calendar, and then we'll get into some sermon prep for uh, the rest of you who are putting together sermons. And maybe you can email us and help us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of got nothing. I, I felt really good about last week's sermon. I don't feel good about my Epiphany 2. Yeah. And this one, I'm like, hmm... Keep praying. Well, I'm, keep trying to grind it out. Yeah, and... keep praying. That's the best way to start. Thankfully, uh, my dear retired associate, Father Rob Lord, is, is taking my Sunday's preachment for me. So, pretty So, excited. the pressure's off. So, you should be able to really get the creative juices flowing because you don't have the deadline. That's right. And give me some gold. I suppose. Um, yeah. Weather's good here in Florida. Let's just talk about the weather. <laughs> well, maybe we could. You, you were asking about something that had developed within uh, the depth of my new noose uh, lately, as of late. What, what were you talking about? Oh, my newfound love of basketball. Yes, I'm probably for, I don't know, maybe two months now. Yeah. Time flies. I've just been getting texts about <laughs> basketball and. I'm still not sure. I don't know either. Like, like, <laughs> am I getting trolled? They're like asking no. a question. And like, I don't know if he's just messing with me. I think yesterday I texted him out of nowhere. Hey man, what's a triple double? What's yeah. a triple double, Father? <laughs> a triple double is when you have double digits in three statistical categories. Typically, points, rebounds, and assists. If you had, so you'd have at least ten points in each, in each category. I mean, if you got 10 steals, which right. is really, really hard to do, yeah, then hard. that would count for a triple-double as well. But typically, it means someone's gotten at least 10 points, at least 10 rebounds, at least 10 assists, which okay. is also very, very hard to do. Yeah. So when there are people like uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, and they're, they're doing this all the time, it's, it's a big pretty deal. impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so he, he was actually, we were talking about it this morning, like the matter of whether I'm trolling him or not in my newfound interest in basketball. And he says, yeah, what's this about? And I'm like, I'm not really sure. I think part of it is actually motivated from like, I got to have something to talk about, like with parishioners, for example. Um, and I don't, I, I don't hot take, we're, we're going to burn in flames over this. I don't love football. 
So the whole Florida Gators, Florida Seminole, yeah, the Florida State Seminoles. You talking about that? Because people want to talk about well, people want to talk Gators about, football. Yeah, Gators or Florida State or even UCF football. We're in Orlando, Florida, so we got these four. Thanks teams. for mentioning UCF. We could have got roasted. No their, way, man. Their Go fans nice. are serious. Yeah, dude, I've been to. If we failed to mention them, yeah, but I've been to a Knights game and it was fun. But um, I don't love watching football on TV, but I do like watching basketball. I can't because I don't feel like paying for cable. But um, so that's part of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I love all of it. Yeah, as you know, I know, and it's helpful for you because you can connect. It's exciting. People. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. People don't want to talk about indie rock bands from the late two th- or the early two thousands. Yeah. So, and had I been a different person with completely different genes and a completely different skill set, I too could have played in the National Basketball Association. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's not really my person. I had a lot of aspirations. I did play sports in high school, but I did not grow after the ninth grade. So I was. <laughs> I was 5'7 in the ninth grade, which is not big even in ninth grade for sports. And I was 5'7 my senior year. I am significantly taller than Father Matt. And like a foot taller. Father Matt no, is not a foot saying, taller. No, You're not 6'7. I'm not 6'7. Father Matt's always like, hey, we should go play basketball. And I always say, I'm really bad, which is true. But, but you, I got the height. All you got to do is learn to learn a drop step, and you would never lose to me. I know what that means. Because I, I couldn't stop you. Just so, bottom me up. Or maybe, fellow listeners, uh, it is just a, re- a way for me to connect with my podcast co-host to talk about basketball. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. it's fun tracking. So, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's good. And as a graduate of the Florida State University, it's nice to see our basketball team doing well. Because our football team is terrible this year. But overall, it's, it's been a good, good run. I mean... In recent years, Florida State has done very, very well. In basketball and football? In football. It did all right. And then, you know, in basketball, I mean, the ACC, I know the SEC people aren't going to agree, but the ACC is by far the best basketball conference in college, has, has always been, will always be. Welcome to the sacristy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That was fun. It was fun. But I do want to get back to talking about the weather because I, I, I'm so excited. We're finally – because we had a really hot Janu- – he's giving That's me these true. looks like, what are you doing? We had such a hot January. It was 86 degrees last week in January. And I so look forward to our Florida winters. And we're finally – we're going to be down in the 30s tonight. Yeah, that's true. And so I'm pumped. All the Florida natives are going to be complaining about the weather. But they always do. When it, During the summer, they're like, it's so hot. But then when it finally cools down, it's so cold. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things, too, where the people <laughs> from northern climes are always kind of like, you Floridians have it so easy. You know, you don't have to worry about frosts and uh, ice storms or snow, any, anything like that. And they're right. I like it when it's cold. It's very nice. For like a day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. uh, so that, now that we're retired and we're talking about the weather, <laughs> why don't we just go ahead and talk about our last doctor's visits and what happened there and just, <laughs> just go full retirement mode. We're, we're old souls, oh maybe in God. the worst sense. <laughs> All right. Well, Father Matt, okay. let's, uh, let's get into the calendar. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation 
that we in all the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, well, just a couple of things that come up before we get to Candlemas uh, in early February. January 27th, the church remembers John Chrysostom, the golden mouth, perhaps the greatest preacher besides St. Paul, maybe? I don't know. I mean, imagine if there were recordings back then. I know. I thought the same thing. Yeah. This podcast would have been huge. Or ignored, but it could have been huge. Yeah. But Unbelievable. Just an amazing Prolific. story, too. He, he and uh, if listeners are interested, you can find his sermons printed you can find his sermons online uh if you're um out to prepare a sermon read what john chrysostom wrote in the same way that uh saint augustine wrote sermons i mean it's just incredible um deeply theological but also very practical very practical like he was dealing with stuff that was happening in the church in his churches Mm -hmm. It wasn't just this sort of ivory tower of exegesis and, oh, here's these big theological things. Uh, He would go get after it, so to speak. He would get after it. And get after people, too. (laughs) Got him into trouble, right? What was the empress that was really upset with him? Was that Eudocia? Of course, I'm not going to remember. No, in any case. We'll go with that. Yeah, he he got into trouble because he was not a big fan of the emperor's court and was constantly calling them out in sermons for their... Uh, what do we want to say? Inappropriate behavior, public inappropriate behavior, calling them out on that, and the injustice of of the court against the poor of Constantinople, and um, yeah, we got into a lot of trouble about it. So a homiletical heir of Saint John the Baptist was not afraid to <laughs> not afraid. get in the public square and, and say what was what. Yeah, right. good. Uh, but of course, an excellent resource to um, all the people of the church. And then, of course, on, the, on January 28th, the church remembers Thomas Aquinas, who is one of the greatest minds that the West has ever produced. Uh, certainly, uh, probably, in my opinion, one of the smartest people who has ever lived, and maybe one of the most faithful. Um, I wrote the Summa Theologica, of course, and a lot of other stuff. We've referred to him several times in our own podcast, for what it's worth. Who was apparently called a dumb ox yeah. by his classmates. Yeah. To which the professor replied, but yes, this dumb ox will bellow and the whole world will hear his cry. Something Man, to that effect. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. So if you don't feel smart, keep at it. You're keep probably it. not going to become Aquinas. No, probably not, but maybe. But, but don't give up. Don't give up. I love, but yeah, I, I think I love how you didn't qualify it. Not just one of the greatest Christian thinkers, but just oh, ever, just yeah. he, he's up there. Well, because if you read the, you Summa, put him top five, top five. I mean, I would, but see your Jordan, see my Jordan. Oh man, because Jordan's he's, the goat. There's yeah. no debate on this I, podcast, <laughs> or maybe there is. We were just talking about basketball, <laughs> so I get that. Is he second to? I mean, outside of the biblical authors. Just thinkers. I mean, thinkers? he's he's up there. He's up there. I mean, is LeBron top three? Sure. Oh, sure. I think Augustine's the Jordan. Yeah. I mean, August- like Aquinas is just writing a longer Augustine. Yeah. And a whole bunch of stuff from Saint Denis, but that's another thing. But yeah, these guys are really smart. They're real smart. When I read them, I feel really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can feel smart if you understand what they say. <laughs> 
it, my fa- my favorite thing, you know, aside from the actual text of the summa, which is really cool, if if it is can can be difficult sometimes, um, is that um, at the end of it, when he's writing, he, ha- he you know the the legend is um, is that he has an ecstatic vision of our Lord, and basically at 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 the close of the vision in in having some contact with the beatific vision in its fullness as he was able to see it comes out of it and says this is all straw mm-hmm. it's all dross in incomparable to the true glory of Christ's light and man that just that's that's amazing that's so moving to me personally yeah, he's definitely a, a man of the church because I think when we talk about theologians now, and I think you mentioned this in our mm-hmm. last podcast, like a theologian is is one who prays. Right. We talk about theologians now, we think of academics, and mm-hmm. then we have a lot of quote unquote theologians in our day and age that aren't even professing Christians. Right. And it's seen as like this pure left brain exercise that really has nothing to do with Christian life or like real life for that matter. Right. And when you read the fathers and the doctors of the church, I mean, their work is deeply embedded in prayer and it's inspiring and encouraging. These are people who like are very much Christians yeah. in their, in their practice. It's meant uh, it, all theology in that regard is out of a, out of a, a deep embodiment of the spirit of prayer. And and a desire to glorify God, which is um pretty cool. Kind of what we hope to do today. Uh, in any case, so that's what's happening in the uh, in the calendar. We will look forward to the second of February, which is the feast of the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple or Candlemas, and we'll uh, probably talk about that some closer too. Well, Father, you had mentioned already that uh, we've got some, I don't know, cha- not that they're challenging texts, but they don't speak immediately to us as preachers. Uh, what, what do we have on deck today? We have Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. The psalm is Psalm 27, verse 1, and then verses 5 through 13. The epistle is continuing the beginning of hmm. Paul's first letter to Corinth. First uh, Corinthians chapter one verses ten through eighteen, and then the gospel is Matthew chapter four verses twelve through twenty three. Right. And again, you can find this on lectionarypage.net or in the back of your prayer book, or email your priest, <laughs> which I get from time to time. <laughs> hey, what are the readings? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to write a note right now to make sure my lectures have the readings. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, Matthew uh, makes reference to the Isaiah passage uh, from this morning, or from, uh, from Sunday morning. Um, and Father Matt, you say that you don't have anything, but uh, I, don't, I disagree. You had mentioned something in our conversation prior to recording that uh, uh, you had found something that might be worth, um, worth the congregation's time. Sure. I mean, one of the reasons I think maybe I'm struggling a little bit is that I, just thematically speaking, I think it's pretty similar to last week, you know, epiphany, uh, illumined by word and sacrament so that 
Christ may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. It's v- it's very evangelistically driven. Even, yeah. even the Gospels both deal with the beginning of the calling of the Twelve. Right. And so there's this idea of, you know, Christ reconstituting the 12 tribes of Israel and the church and then sending us out. And hopefully as we come to know Christ and we're in deeper union with him, that that will help uh, bring the lost in. And that they can say with the prophet Isaiah, you know, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Of course, that, that light is Christ. Um, well, that's, that's a sermon, Father. Yeah, but I already did that sermon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is I, I don't want to necessarily just come back and and do the exact same thing. Of course, I I want to yeah. uh, hit on that. The thing that I was talking about in reference to Isaiah is seeing seeing the calling of the twelve typologically, which I don't know if anyone would dispute that it's the twelve that that harkens back overtly to the 12 tribes of Israel and that Jesus is the faithful remnant, that Jesus is the faithful Israelite and that the new or renewed Israel is reconstituted around him, that he is God's right. uh, son uh, whom, with whom the father is uh, and in whom the father is well pleased. Right. And Jesus he hears that John the Baptist, because I've got to jump ahead to the gospel because it connects. He hears that John the Baptist had been arrested and he withdraws to Galilee uh, in the north and he makes his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali uh, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then uh, Matthew quotes Isaiah 9. And as Jesus is calling the the twelve, there is an interesting connection, I think, with the twelve tribes of Israel, with Zebulun and Naphtali being of the northern kingdoms, and then that got us going into a discussion uh, about last week's gospel when it was talking about in the Gospel of John uh, that such and such had happened in the tenth hour, and what was the significance of that. And is there this reference with light and darkness and these these tribes from the northern kingdom of Israel? And I'll explain that in a second. Um, is there like an overt reference to the ten being the ten tribes from the northern kingdom? Maybe, maybe not. Or covert reference. It's definitely not overt. Um, really not, or else we wouldn't have this conversation. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and to give you a little bit of Bible history. So you have Saul, who was made the first king of Israel. And then David and then Solomon. So the united monarchy only lasted for three kings. Right. So then, depending on how you're doing the numbers, in 930 or 931 BC, uh, the kingdom splits. And so you have the northern kingdom. So many of the prophets, when they're talking about Israel post-split, they're referring particularly to those ten northern tribes. And then you have the southern kingdom, which is two tribes. Uh, and so when you see in the prophets, when they're calling out Judah, they're usually talking about particularly those, those southern tribes. Based out of Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, you had the kingdom split. And then in 722 or 721 BC, the northern kingdom falls to the Assyrians. And then in 586, 585, de- depending on how the scholar or the archaeologist is doing the dating, um, you have the southern kingdom fall. So when we talk about those kingdoms, that's what we're talking about. Right. Which is pretty important stuff to at least know that that happened. Right. Well, because then the, you know, the the elephant in the room of all 
biblical scholarship, especially scholarship as it approaches the New Testament, is that, well, what happens to Israel is exile. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out, well, why were they exiled? Mm-hmm. Where is that coming from? And how do the Israelites understand that? The origin of that exile, why is God doing this? What do we do now that we live in exile? What do we do? What is our hope beyond exile? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's... Um, We're really in the weeds Yeah, now. way in the weeds. That's great. But I think it helps with the, with the Gospels when, when you're talking about um, the first century Second Temple Judaism to understand like where what was the headspace they were living in? Right. That though the geographical exile, if you will, had ended, that they had they had actually returned to the land of Israel. Right. The theological exile had continued, meaning right. that they were st- they were under just a different oppressor. Yeah, they were in the land. Um, there really wasn't a sense that the glory which had departed the temple had returned to Herod's temple. There, there was still very well, much this sense that... Is it in Ezra where, they, where the temple is rebuilt and, the, and everybody waits for the presence to like kind of come back? Mm-hmm. Whatever, scare quotes, you yeah. can see that, listener. But, um, but it doesn't, and it's kind of a bummer. Am I remembering that correctly? Well, yeah, you have the, the, um, the rebuild, um, like a quasi-restoration with Zerubbabel's temple. Right. And those who had remembered Solomon's temple, when they saw, saw it, like started crying. Like, oh, right. Cause, uh, yeah. they, they were so disappointed in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there, there's, there's not this sense that like Yahweh has returned to Zion. This is big in, I'm just plagiarizing N.T. Sure. Wright, essentially. This is big in his work. And so they were waiting for Yahweh to return and Yahweh does return in the right. in the person of Jesus Christ. Right. Oh, that makes that makes Nehemiah make a little bit more sense too, mm-hmm. right? Because then Nehemiah comes back and they build the wall and everybody's like, yeah, the wall's built and he like calls everybody together to redo Torah and then he like goes down and nobody's doing Torah and everybody can like and now you can kind of see that the 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 critique of Israel is like, well, our exile has ended, but it also really hasn't. That's cool. The Bible's cool, man. It is. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, the Bible's awesome. So it, it's important to at least, I think, be aware of the, the general timeline of what we call the Old Testament. Yeah. Because the New Testament's not popping out. Of nowhere. Yeah, there, there's a huge backstory. There's a cool thing in here now that we're, now that we're yeah. way in the weeds of Old Testament stuff. That yeah, we in, are. In, <laughs> uh, you have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. I mean, that's a like overt callback to Genesis 12. Um, in the, the, the promise given to Abraham that, you know, basically the, the, nation, the, the, the nations will, uh, you know, have to contend with Israel because his peoples will outnumber the stars mm-hmm. with the guarantee that basically, you know, the Lord is glorified in Israel, especially as they've multiplied. So that's, that's something that's been on my mind a lot. And it's kind of cool to see it jump out right there in, in, in Isaiah. And also, of course, all those things being encapsulated in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, his, his role as Messiah being prefigured all the way back in, in Genesis. Um, obviously developed throughout the witness of the Old Testament and then um, culminates in, the, in his incarnation in the story of the New Testament. Hmm. I don't know if you could preach all this, folks. 
Yeah, now that I yeah, yeah I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to breach what I just talked about for sure. <laughs> Uh, maybe some elements of it here and there, you know, again, and we, we prayed the collect and it's, it's an evangelistic collect where Mm -hmm. it talks about, you know, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works. Perhaps there's an opportunity, you know, if we're talking about people who have this epiphany tied and and light and people seeing the light and the people living in darkness have seen a great light, Mm -hmm. perhaps camp out in the uh, epistle. We're going to talk about evangelism and being the light. It's well, who is the light? What is the light? It's, right. it's Christ, and it's the crucified and risen Jesus, and yeah. that our our power in evangelism and our power in just like being human beings and living the Christian life, yeah, is is in the cross of Christ, which Paul in the beginning of his first letter to the Corinthians is is dealing with. Uh, this church, uh, that's a mess. And I won't steal your thunder about, you know, kind of how the, the letter changes tones pretty quick. Well, it changes on a dime, Father Matt. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll, like, go, we'll go ahead and do that, then I'll get back to what I'm saying. Well, like, because last week when we read 1 Corinthians, it's, it's, it's you know, letter letterhead. God you know? loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> yeah, God loves you, folks. He loves you. But it is true. And I think I think he is making a theological statement that is that is true throughout and and controls the rest of the letter. But he never once says you are, you have ceased to be Christians, right? He says uh, to the Christians, to those who are called to be saints, you and everyone else in the world who are called to the faith of Jesus Christ. That's paraphrase, but not never once says to you folks who are really in danger of losing your Christian card. Right? He doesn't say that. And in fact, when, even when he gets down, gets into the nitty gritty with them, he still thinks of them as being in the household of faith, which, you know, as I, I was preaching at Evensong, that I find that tremendously hopeful that, you know, knowing a little bit more about where we're going to head today, thinking about thinking ahead means that what he's saying in the beginning is, you guys are still in. We got some stuff to work through, mm-hmm. you know, and then that makes a lot of sense of the rest of the stuff that he says, especially as we head towards the latter half of the of the letter, you know, especially something like First Corinthians thirteen, which is really about binding them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're getting a real sweet Paul at the first it takes yeah. ten verses, and then we get to where Father Matt has taken us. He starts rebuking them because they're yeah. they're divided. Yeah. And there's this factionalism, and, and some scholars have, you know, surmised that perhaps they're seeing Paul and, and other disciples and apostles as sort of philosophers that right. are sages that yeah. I follow so and so. And so, you know, some there's well, this... just, it's just that they're care that they're following their teaching. Right. Yeah. It's just that it's just a teaching. Mm hmm. So there's people saying, you know, I, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Cephas. Cephas. I belong to Christ. And he's really, he's rebuking that sort of attitude and, and showing them their, their unity mm-hmm. uh, in Christ. And that, you know, whomever baptized you, you're baptized <laughs> in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into Christ. Yeah, You're not baptized, you know, into the religion of Apollos. Well, just, I mean, thinking about the way that this is written as a, like as a text written by a human being, sometimes we talk about that when we're talking about Paul, but it, the, 
you can kind of imagine him kvetching a little bit when he says, has Christ been divided? Mm-hmm. Was Paul crucified for you? It's a sort of like rhetorical nonsense question. Of course not. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? You know, you can hear that incredulity when you, when you read that text. Yeah, and the church at Corinth is not really attracted to Paul's no. intellect, his rhetorical ability, which like reading Paul now and like learning <laughs> about him, it's like, man, Paul, maybe Paul's in the top 10 greatest minds. I mean, this, this guy's a stud. You yeah. Know, read a book like Romans, and, you know, this guy is no dummy right. uh, writing this stuff. And he, he just goes back to the, the power of the cross. He says, um, for Christ did not send me to baptize. He, he's not saying that baptism is bad. He's just right. saying they were getting attached to who they were baptized by. Right. But, but to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. So he's resting on the, the power of the Spirit at work through the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, as the person and work of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. And that should be a good reminder uh, to the church that if we're going to expand the kingdom of God at all, it's going to be because we preach and we live the cross. Right. Not because we come up with like the, like the coolest program ever, or not because we always have like the best answers and say the smartest stuff. Or have the best coffee. Yeah. Which I, we, we have do. pretty good coffee, yeah. <laughs> Ours is okay. And it's not saying, well, let's just do, let's not ever think, or let's, right. uh, let's not have administration. Right. But, man, you can look at the last, particularly in this country, you can look at some of the rabbit trails we've gone down with the mm. supposed church growth movement, and it's like, are we expecting, like, these tools to like change people's lives and, and convince them. And are we doing all this perhaps because we've lost confidence in mm. like the power of the cross? And I mean, he continues yeah. the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Yeah. So it's the means of salvation. <laughs> yeah. But it's also interesting the way that works and to use a, a big word, you know, epistemology which is thinking about how we think Mm -hmm. you know it to us who are being saved it is the power of god you know it is it is something that has to be revealed to us um and it and and i think the way that i don't think i'm thinking this independently obviously but the way that revelation works is it is revealed by god Mm -hmm. and that we have to be confident that god continues to reveal um, I think I've told this story before, but I, you know, it has to do with my conversion. Um, and I, 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 my own conversion story uh, happens in the context of a classroom uh, at Florida State, wherein I basically was reading the New Testament and said, yeah, I like this Jesus guy. And it's that simple. But I was telling my, one of my classes in seminary about how this worked for me. And um, it was interesting because there were folks in the room who, who grew up in church or like who were longtime leaders in the church. And they were like, well, we don't believe that that happened to you. Like, well, what part don't you believe? Well, we don't believe that you could have come to faith by reading 
the Gospels at a Florida State class. And my sort of confusion was, well, do you think that the cross of Christ doesn't have power? Do you think that the Holy Spirit doesn't have power? Do you think that the Word just kind of sits there and it doesn't do anything to people just because the con- like where it is? Like, does it make sense if we serve and love a God who just does, right? And um, it was interesting to see them react to that critique of their critique because I was like, do you think the Holy Ghost is not present and not active in his word? And um, they were like, oh, I suppose you're right. And I was like, yeah, because I'm still sitting here in a seminary class and I believe that I've been converted to the faith of Christ. (laughs) But I think that that's kind of shows that even we can be, you know, guilty of the same kinds of sins as Corinth, you know. Mm the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do we do, we do a good enough job reminding ourselves, remembering that? Yeah, it's, it's twofold. There's a, like within the church, it's like, you know, this is our means of union with Christ, of becoming more like him, of, of being Christocentric, of always being focused on the, on the crucified, and, and risen Jesus, and which our whole liturgy right. is pointing to the cross of Christ, and that's what we're glorying in is in in Calvary, and that's what we're, we're looking to the the body and blood of our Lord to sustain us, because I mean that's present tense to those of us who are being saved, right? So there's like an internal thing is like like what are we like this thing about preaching a sermon, like like what are we running to, like what's our source of strength? And like, what are we meditating upon and thinking about? Like, what do we give our attention to? Mm. Like, is it the cross of Christ? Hopefully, a lot of the time, because that's the power of God into salvation. But then as far as like reaching other people, and I made this joke last week in my sermon, I, or maybe it was during announcements, I had said something <laughs> about evangelism. When you talk about evangelism, that can make Episcopalians nervous because I think they immediately picture like someone on the street corner with <laughs> yeah. a, a piece of cardboard and like a poorly written, like the end is near sort of right. sign. Or having to go door to door or something. Sure. Um, and, and not completely disparaging no. everything associated with that. I can be bad about talking about that stuff in a way that it just sounds like I'm totally down on it. I know that people have gone to people's houses that have visited their church and led them to Christ. Yes. And those people are great Christians. So God uses that. Um, As he will. And, but I think we can underestimate like the evangelistic power of like living your life in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. Like I'm just talking about like a simple, faithful Christian life. Yeah, is more effective than like any evangelistic program, any sweet website, any I'm sorry, like apologetics mm-hmm. seminar. And again, not disparage those things have their place. Mm-hmm. But I, I always think of uh, Saint Seraphim of Sarov who said, "Be at peace, deep cuts, deep cut. Be at peace, and a thousand souls around you will be saved." Yeah, I think if people just follow the Lord Jesus Christ are devoted to his passion and they look, they're open to opportunities to share the gospel and word and deed. I think we'd be amazed. Yeah. As if the power of God is present, active and efficient. 
Yeah, because, I mean, when you read the Gospels and you read Acts, do, do you feel... It seems like they're running to catch up yeah. with what the Spirit is doing. Yeah. Not that they're like, guys, all right, we, we got to make an impact this year. It's like there's so yeah. much happening. Yeah. They're just like along for the ride. And I think just having... And I'm really going to sound like I'm like going back to my my roots, but... I think it's the good thing about those roots of just sure. And I'm saying this autobiographically because I don't think even as a priest that I do this enough, just being open to the Lord and say, God, you use me today to share the gospel with someone and and, Uh, just make me an instrument of the gospel, right? Like every day, every, you know, every moment that we can be ministers of the gospel, not as just as priests, but as Christians, like what, what is God going to put in our lives that day that we may magnify him? Because and... when you do that, when you like make yeah. that overt ask of, of God, make me your instrument, and your heart's open to that, I mean, get ready. Yeah, like, get ready. God, God yeah. like, rarely, like, just, he usually answers that prayer pretty quick. Okay, yeah, yeah I've been waiting on you. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Stop thinking about yourself or, yeah. you know, the next burger. I like thinking about, I'm, I'm hungry right now, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe you could, do, you could, maybe you could settle in uh, the epistle and talk about that a little bit. And, and there could also be an opportunity, too, of, you know, this is evergreen, mm-hmm. like the foolishness of the cross. It wasn't just for... Um, Jews who wait, God is this guy right here? That's how is that monotheist? You know, right? Or or Greeks who were like really, really the stumbling block to the Jews was a crucified Messiah is a failed Messiah. How can he be the Messiah? He 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 was crucified. That's also a sort of stumbling block to the Greeks as well. I mean, like because you know, but yeah, yeah, the the philosophical stumbling block. But yeah, that and so it's it's like your God died. Yeah, it's full. And it might be foolishness for other reasons today, but like it, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But we can't abandon it because we don't think it's. Well, you know, this doesn't sound hip like the last te- te- <laughs> TED talk I listened to. Like this is all yeah. this is all we have. It holds and, and water it, too, you know. I mean, like I, it, <laughs> this is sort of tangential, but I was sitting down with a staff member who's having you know some in, some health problems, and um, she mentioned uh, that. Uh, the the faith came alive to her has come alive to her in ways that have been really remarkable as she's walked through even the early stages of some pretty serious like I said health health issues but sitting down and listening to the words of scripture during the mass and reading the prayers and praying the prayers you know by all accounts you know the the wisdom of the world is that uh, you know none of this stuff should matter right like you know you're sick so you're sad. Um, but she says this to me today that she just found such great comfort, joy even in the process so far, which is weird to me. I'm a priest. Um, that even in the effects of the cross seem foolishness, seem like foolishness to the perishing. But here we are enjoying the wisdom of Christ and his power uh, because of what he has wrought for us in the cross and passion. Lots of ways to go. Stay out of the weeds. yeah i'm i can only give you know one or two dates per sermon for people (laughs) fall asleep on fall asleep on you they will 
Yeah, they will. But it's fun stuff for rector's forums and other things like that. Absolutely. We've been doing um, a survey of the Old Testament. It's been really fun. So food for thought. All right. Well, as always, we uh, hope that our time together has been a blessing to you and edifying. Uh, of course, we always pray that it is a glorification uh, to our Lord. Um, and so as we finish out this lesser feast, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. Ready, Father? I'm ready. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, everyone, I hope uh, you have a wonderful week. Father Matt, always good to be with you. Hey, go listen to uh, episode uh, eight. Listen to it. It's really good. I liked it a lot. Had a good time. So you should do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's talk basketball. See ya. (laughs) 